Welcome to Learning Through Math, the podcast. I'm Laura at I Teach the Why. I'm Karina at Mrs. Cousins 5. Our mission is to inspire ourselves and others to keep learning and improving with passion. And hugs. You can find us at learningthroughmath.com and on Twitter at Laura and Karina. Come and join us on this journey of learning. Thanks for joining us. We are recording this in March of 2023, and we are both sick. <laughs> We're both sick. I'm still We're sick. Here. Now, you, you, what happened today? You just lost your voice? I so I've been it's it's today's the worst day it's been this <sighs> entire week, but I started losing it on the weekend at the dance competition. Oh. I think maybe from just talking so much. I was I really wasn't cheering. I was trying not to cheer, yeah. which is so hard. So, right? so hard. Um, so I did, I mean, I guess I did cheat a little and I just cheered a little bit, but, well, uh, but you have to, but I, your daughter. I, right. But I didn't cheer for other people's daughters. <laughs> you clapped. I'm sure you clapped. I did. No, I was clapping. I was clapping. I just wasn't my usual cheering self, but today just did me in. I think just Thursday, long week, talking oh. all week. And it was just gone. So, but welcome to episode 103. Do we explicitly teach math strategies? Listeners, this is a special episode. (laughs) We're so excited. We can't even tell you. Well, it has been in the works for months. Months. First, we're going to give a shout out to our friend, other Karina that we, yes. you know, we affectionately call her that. She's on Twitter at superteacher524 because if it really wasn't for Karina, other Karina, yeah. then we wouldn't have our guests on today. I know. know? Yeah. So Karina, um, she introduced me to the podcast, Math is Figureoutable. She was like, you have to listen to this. And that is when, you know, I started hearing about Pam and Kim and just in awe of, of problem strings. Cause I hadn't really, I've heard, I had heard of them through number talks, mm-hmm. but not, you know, on its own as its right. own number sense routine, I guess. And, and then because of that, we reached out to Pam and Kim and they came on our show. The listeners, you're, even... you're in for an amazing treat. And I just want to say that also other Karina physically introduced me to Pam this past summer at the FCTM conference. So thank you, other Karina. (laughs) And Jelly moment, hold on, back it up, because you also had, you also had Pam in your car. Can we just talk about that? Yeah, Karina. Well, she also, she said she'll never (laughs) wash the backseat of her car because (laughs) Pam has sat in it. And you and I both met Kim on yes. one of our book clubs. That's it right. She figuring out fluency. Yeah. That's right. She came and she attended. Yeah, it, we just we speak to her about treat. that a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right, share your reflection for this week. Last episode, I mentioned that I was going to try to brainstorm some mathematical models in ChatGPT just to see what comes out. Because as a brainstorming tool, I think that's where ChatGPT really has its like magic, right? Mm-hmm. I, I feel mm-hmm. like that's where it's really beneficial and um, helpful. 
so just as a brainstorming tool. So I tried it out and I think maybe my question isn't, I, I need to maybe tailor it a little bit and play with it. Um, be maybe a little bit more specific, but here's okay. what I said. I just asked our question from our, our actual title, which was how do we model mathematics? And it came back with a list of five items, the first being symbolic modeling and then blah, 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 like like addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division, like those symbols and symbolic approaches commonly used in algebra, calculus, and other branches of mathematics. So I'm like, uh, that's not really what I mean. Right. Geometric modeling, geometric shapes, blah, yeah. blah, 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 trigonometry. Right. Number three, statistical modeling. All right, Number four, computational, and, yeah, yeah, computational modeling, and five set the- theoretic modeling. And I'm like, okay, no, that's not what I mean. What are some models I can use for mathematics? Things like number line, part, part, whole, fraction, and dot, dot, dot. That's and what you it, wrote. That's what I wrote. Okay. And then it came up with here are some other common mathematical models. One base ten blocks. There we go. This is better, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, number two number bonds but again not really what i wanted because right. base 10 blocks are are concrete uh number two number bonds which is something that i had right uh, number right. three array models which mm-hmm. again is you know like an area okay. model yeah yeah number four tape diagrams uh-huh. which all right we didn't uh, we yeah. didn't talk about that right and number five cartesian plane oh and number six venn diagrams so still not still not there yet no, it, it, and if I had to give Chat GPT a grade for that, I'd probably give it a D, maybe a D minus. That's All not right, exactly well, I, what we were looking for, right? It might also be my question, so I have to. I'll play around with the question and see if I can get any better. But as of right now, no luck. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I have some good news for this week. I had my informal observation, and even though I didn't get my score evaluation, whatever, you know, the thing back yet. Yeah. I I know it went amazing because my AP came in to do it when I was facilitating my in-school book club for figuring out fluency. Oh, that's awesome. It was on chapter four, which to me is probably the best chapter in the whole book, which is the seven significant strategies for developing Uh, fluency. Yes. So rich, rich conversation was happening, right? Yeah. Nice. But I'm just going to call that good news because it, it was great. And he had to leave early because he got called out. And he told me later that he was upset that he had to leave. He wanted to stay to hear, you know, everything else from that chapter. So maybe That's I'll just awesome. fly the book, you know, into his mailbox and be like, here, give the, give the whole thing a read. And we can talk about it. <laughs> right? For sure. Let's do lunch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's great, though. That's fantastic. Karina, I know you and I cannot wait to get into today's topic. Do you want to tell everybody why? I am so excited. No, we I'm have- more excited than you are. <laughs> We've been bottling it up for so long, but today we have the pleasure to speak with Pam and Kim from Math is Figure Outable. Yay! <laughs> Welcome to both of you. Who wants to say hi first? I do. Okay. We are 
thrilled to be here. This is Pam, and I am thrilled to be here uh, talking with both of you. Thanks for having us on. And I'm Kim, and I am so happy to be here. You guys are such a treasure to the math community, and we're excited to chat with you both. Now, I've had the pleasure of meeting Pam in person and, of course, giving her hugs because that's what I do, right? (laughs) And both of us, Karina and I, have met Kim through one of our book clubs she came to. Was it the BTC book club or the Figuring Out Fluency? Figuring Out Fluency. Mm -hmm. Yes. Amazing, right? Yep. So So good. good. Okay. Now, listeners, I did not really give Pam and Kim a heads up as to what we were going to discuss. Not so much. No, No, not at all. And we we still willingly came. I know. I know. I'm so happy. We received an email from one of our listeners, Natalie Merritt, and she is in Canada, by the way. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Karina's like, woohooing. Woohoo. She's an instructional math coach. And she said, hi there. I love your podcast and can't get enough of it. Thank you so much, Natalie. I have a question for you. What is your opinion about explicitly teaching math strategies? This has come up quite a bit lately, and I was wondering what your opinion is on this, or if you could do a podcast on strategies and your thoughts about when coaches are asked to explicitly teach them. Before I share my opinion, I was wondering what yours was. I can't wait to hear back from you. So here we go, Natalie. We're going to answer your question. Hmm. Who's going to go first about explicitly teaching math strategies? I'll dive right in. Okay. I knew Um, you would, Pam. I knew it. (laughs) So I think we might have to define explicit and explicitly teaching. And let's see if we have some kind of common vocabulary and what we mean by that. Because I think there's a confusion. Um... Uh, about uh, do we want kids to be muddy? Do we want it to be fuzzy? Do we want like no correct answers? And it's just all about feeling good. That could feel like the opposite of explicit. Um, And so uh, I'm not sure, Natalie, what you mean exactly. So we might want to hear, you know, more from her to to have a really good conversation. But I think we are going to probably the four of us refer to explicit teaching as a procedural step-by-step mimic me there is a way to do this. It's um, maybe thought to be the most efficient or the most the, the best way. And so whatever that way is for the operation, uh, lining them up for addition or uh, maybe um, invert and multiply for fraction division, like wh- whatever the procedure is, we might say, okay, here, here it is. Ready, everybody? This is the rule. Here are the steps. Now I've just done it. Now we're going to do one together and then you're going to go do it. And, and uh, that I do, we do, you do could also be misunderstood. It yeah. could also be, well, no, anyway. So to stay with sort of what, what we mean by explicit teaching, I think um, typically when we're talking about it, we mean that procedural mimicking uh, kind of thing happening that many, if not most of us experienced as students. Mm-hmm. So do we, do we agree on that? Yes. yes. Well, mm-hmm. I, I think I kind of took it as... Um, more so of when you're talking about strategies, how, cause again, I'm, I'm going through the figuring out fluency book right now. Right. Mm. And when we talk about explicit strategy instruction, it kind of does sound, I do, we do, you do, we, 
right? Because well, that's yeah, that's exactly why I wanted to get specific about what we mean by explicit instruction. So I'm assuming that this question comes from a place where um, if you experienced explicit instruction where it was about mimicking a, a procedure, and now you're told, oh, there are more than one way to solve a problem. Here are these strategies, and that is your only paradigm. Your mm -hmm. paradigm is kids must mimic this pres prescribed procedure. Now you might feel like, oh my goodness, now there's more to memorize. Are, are, are we all clear? Kids weren't good mm -hmm. on memorizing this one way, but now you want them to have these other four ways. All right, I'm supposed to do it. Here we go. And then we dive in and we do the, the same mode of teaching, same sort of method of mimicking, but now we're doing it with strategies. So yeah. we've, we've identified some relationships that are cool to work with numbers. Um, maybe even because that's what mathematicians do. Some, somehow we've identified, Hey, here are good relationships to play with numbers. Okay. Ready? Everybody. Step one, step two. No, no, not like that. Nope. Nope. Do it like this. Step three. And, and it, uh, a lot of things that could accompany good development of strategies then doesn't accompany the sort of rote memorizing of strategies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I see it in the, it's in the pitfalls of using a textbook every single day, right? On page 24, let's go to number one. The textbook is telling me that we have to make a 10. So today we're going to be practicing making a 10 and just let's, let's move on to number two and three. And then the next day we're going to do it a different way instead of having the kids really explore it and figure it out themselves. Cause it's figure outable. Right. And bounce <laughs> off of each other's ideas or, oh, you did it that way. That's so interesting. I thought of it this way. But there's none of that conversation when you're just saying, just do it like this. Yeah. And maybe I'll add to that, that if uh, that you, you might be a well-intentioned teacher who hears that and you might think, oh, okay, so I'm just supposed to have kids figure it out on their own. So this mm -hmm. is now a big guessing game. Okay. So I'm going to throw out a question and they're going to try to guess what's in my head because I've seen page 49 in the textbook. And I know we're right. supposed to get to a friendly 10. And so, okay, but I'm not supposed to tell them that they told me not to be explicit. So let's see. So I guess it's fuzzy and it's a guess. And, and so I'm just going to like, okay, try it, try, try to guess what's in my head. And the kids try and they're like, Nope, try again. Nope. Try again. No. And then that gets super frustrating, super fast. It doesn't fit. Yeah. If, if our paradigm is that the goal of math instruction is to learn to mimic what the teacher's doing, then I can totally see why someone would say, let's explicitly teach these. Like, like, then let's get good at it. I'm on page 49. Today we're getting to the 10. Okay, ready, everybody? Step one, step two. I don't know why we're supposed to do that, but there you go. We've, we've memorized that one and then we'll move on and we'll memorize the, the next one tomorrow on page 50. All right. If that is your paradigm, we would suggest there is a different paradigm. Mm -hmm. Well, we, and I think we can consider. Yeah, and I think that's a lot of the work that that we all are trying to do is give people experiences where they can shift their paradigm before we throw a bunch of stuff at them and say, do it this way, because they can only hear through or see through the lens that they currently hold. And so, you know, we, we, Pam has talked about pers different perspectives and I've heard you guys talk about um, the way that people see things. And so in order to help people understand what these strategies are, then we envelop them in the mathematics. So they even, understand the strategies themselves. Um, otherwise it can become a very like do this, then this, then this type thing, rather than a conversation about what the numbers are 
asking us to do. And the numbers are influencing our thinking. Because we're owning relationships. Right. Mathematical relationships. I think it can also turn into an interesting argument where people say, if we don't teach any, teach kids anything explicit, then they're never going to learn the math. Um, in fact, a, a colleague of ours the other day said, oh, so you're all about teaching critical thinking. Yes, but but we're also learning the math. So mm-hmm. now we just have to define what that means to learn math. Does it mean that it's a disconnected set of facts that we're memorizing and rules and procedures that we're mimicking? No. Could it mean that stuff that mathy people have been doing in their heads, we've just not known what it is? Oh, yeah, actually it could be that. But it doesn't mean that we have to do it in our heads. And it also doesn't mean that we have to develop it on our own. And here's where I want to get explicit. Mm -hmm. So I want to have goals for teaching be very purposeful. It's not a guessing game. There are uh, very specific mathematical relationships that if I own in my head, if I have those neural connections, then like Kim said, the numbers will speak to me. The numbers will influence how I choose to dive into that problem. I won't say here, here's a, here's a, a thing to note if you're, you, you know, you might have gone a little awry if the kid goes, is this the one we did on Tuesday or is this the one we did on Wednesday? Right. Then it's less about how do I let what I've learned influence when I see numbers. And it's more about which rule am I supposed to do today? Because math's all about rules. Again, this is super tricky if the, the experience that you have is just what you had in school. If that's the only background you have, of course, that's what you're thinking. May we offer that there's a, 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 a way to make those neural connections in your heads, teachers, so that then we can help students develop them. And we're all doing this, this other thing, not mimicking, but we're actually mathing or mathematizing. Put a verb to what mathematicians do. I'll just add a word. You can say a better way. It's okay. I, we all know <laughs> it's a better way, it, you know, to get kids to be thinking and not mimicking. I know Absolutely. you don't want to say that, but I'll say it. It's my, it's our podcast. So that, <laughs> that's okay. It's not that I don't want to say there's a better way. I just want to um, honor the fact that a teacher could be doing a really good job of teaching fake math because they don't have any other experience. Um, uh, uh, pick me. Like as a young teacher, I think it was a fantastic fake math teacher. Uh, it's, those of you who don't know, Laura's raising her hand. <laughs> um <laughs> Because we didn't have any other experience. Right. So uh, yeah, I just want to honor the fact that that it, it takes understanding what mathematicians, mathematicians actually do in their heads in order to then have a grasp on, okay, now how can we teach that? How do we mentor that? And does that look like what, what we just described as, or at least I did, described as um, uh, explicit teaching? Or could it look like something else? But it's not this muddy in-between weird thing where we're having kids guess and it's fuzzy and we're not getting correct answers and all the things. Right. You, you, didn't, you didn't pick what I was thinking in my head exactly, right? It's not about that. Yeah. As a teacher, I'm saying. You, didn't, you, student, didn't guess what I wanted you to learn today. So let's talk about some, some ways that we can explicitly teach strategies so that it doesn't turn into rote step procedure, memorize this. Well, can I pipe in for just a second? Because we talked about explicit a little bit, but I want to hang on the word teaching as well, because 
What we're suggesting maybe is that it isn't a lesson that you are teaching in the way that some people might hear teaching. I stand up at the front of the room and I say some things and then you do some things. I do, we do, you do. But I wonder if teaching is a little broader in that we're exposing and we're guiding and we're nudging and we're having conversation and and some of those other teaching moves, but maybe doesn't, when you say explicit teaching, doesn't bring that image to mind for some people. Right. It's more like this than this than that, right? Mm-hmm. So one thing that I keep saying to my teachers is make your students' thinking visible. So if mm-hmm. a student is saying something, it's your job to right. model it in a way that honors their thinking. And if it doesn't, you know, if if the kid is just explaining it and doesn't have a, a model in front of them, then you you are kind of playing the guessing game, but you're trying to model the student's thinking. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I'll I'll throw in the word represent because okay. um, I think the, I think the word model also gets a little bit tricky. Yes. Um, so I loved when you said make the thinking visible. So it's it's a in a huge way we're it's uh, we're in, uh, it's incumbent on us to listen carefully, mm-hmm. understand what relationships the students using. And then make that thinking visible, represent it um, with a visual model in such a way that then we can point at it. We can discuss it. We can compare it. We can have a conversation around it. When it's just in the ether, just in the air, that is uh, much harder for, uh, pick me, uh, learners to to, uh, catch, to understand. But it's also super tricky to compare or, mm-hmm. um, you know, like dissect and like, and ask the why, and we can't point to parts of it and like, wait, 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 I followed you till there, but that what, like, how did you, like, what, what relationship were you using there? So it can be very helpful to make student thinking, um, visible. If, if I may, when you, when you said uh, model, I just want to make sure that what we're not suggesting is model as in demonstrate, Correct. It's model as right. in represent thinking, uh-huh. but it's also this is maybe where I want to get a little explicit, um, where I have an explicit goal for the teaching. So for that day, if I'm doing our favorite instructional routine called problem strings, or I'm doing a string or series of problems, if I'm doing that with students, it's not a free for all. So in this um, experience, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm aware that there are, there's a hierarchy of strategies and my job as the teacher is to simultaneously honor student thinking, individual student thinking, but also simultaneously to move the math forward for the community. Like we have to uh, be thinking of how, what move can I make right now to move the math forward, move to move? What, what teaching decision can I make to move the math forward, to help nudge kids to make more sophisticated relationships? So I think there's also this interesting um, outcome we've had where good teachers, good hearts, good intentions, um, go, okay, I'm supposed to do this alternative stuff. All right, here's a problem. What, what do we got? And you, and you, and all the things. And we haven't done a good job of parsing out models versus strategies. And so teachers are throwing everything that kids say on the board as if they are a transcriber. Like, okay, I'm going to take what you say and I'm going to put it up there exactly as I hear it in, um, without realizing that we can get a lot more done. We have a lot more power, a lot more movement, a lot more development with students. If we listen carefully to what that strategy is 
and then choose purposefully the model to use to represent it, to make it visible, because we know the terrain and we know where we're going. So if today's goal is is specifically, explicitly, is purposefully that we're going to um, develop, let's say, the over strategy for multiplication, then I want to be um, very uh, uh, purposeful about which strategies I'm I'm choosing to put on the board. And it might be, if it's, if it's the very first time we've played with this strategy, I might model a couple of different strategies, but as the string progresses, as we ask the next question and then the next question, I'm gonna narrow in and, um, and only sort of celebrate, only kind of put the, the, uh, the strategy that we're going for. That's the one we're gonna share. Um, I've, I've had some pushback on that from, from some uh, very um, well-respected people that I, I like their work. I think they've done a great job, but they say, Pam, you're not, you're not honoring student thinking, to which I would respectfully disagree. If we give the problem and we allow students to use what they know, in that moment, we have honored their thinking. We have said, you solve it any way you want. Woo! Fantastic. Now let's move the math forward. Did anybody, did anybody like to solve this times 39? Did anybody think about multiplying by 40? For, is that a, oh, you did. Now, maybe I circulated to find that. Maybe I asked a question to find that. But then I'm going to put that, oh, tell me about how you used 40 to find 39 of them. You're, you're looking for 40, uh, you were looking for 39 eights and you used 40 eights. Like, tell me about that. How was that helpful to find 39 times eight? Because... I have a, a, a very a purposeful. I'm going to be purposeful because I have a goal, and so I think um, if 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 we're not, the, I think it can get muddy. So we, the four of us, are not suggesting that it's haphazard and it's anything goes, and that there's no hierarchy and that we don't have to have a goal for the day and we just put it all up all up on the board and yay! Look how much we learned. Um, I think we can be much. We can gain a lot more if we have a purposeful goal, and then we we uh, choose those that, that might mean that a student says, oh, I'm going to share. And, 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 and we think we, we think it's the strategy and the student shares it in that moment. We might go, Oh, nice strategy. Not the one I'm going to put on the board today. Uh, did anybody use 40 to help you? Like if the student says, well, I did 30 and nine of them. So I did 30 and I did nine. I might say, Oh yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Hey, and did anybody use 40? Oh yeah. Let's put that on the board. And, and I have to be careful when I do that. Like, I don't want to, I don't want students to walk away feeling like less than or anything, but y'all, if we do that consistently, students will get used to the fact that, oh, just not today. I will share sometime, but just not today. There is a purpose for today's lesson. And for whatever reason, my strategy isn't going towards today's purpose. Okay. Because I'm going to always do that with an eye towards making sure that I am uh, hearing all voices, that I am positioning all students as learners. So I'm always making sure that I'm not um, leaving kids out. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm for sure thinking about positioning all kids as learners. Kim, what do you want to add? <laughs> um, you know, it's so funny because when I'm listening to Pam, I'm like nodding and I'm like, yes, yes. You know, I, I, I keep going back to the word explicit because I do think that there are things that we are explicit about in our classrooms and about the routines that we do. And it's the way they run. It's the way that routine goes down in my classroom. It's the way that we, we respond to each other. 
But there is something about responding in the moment in a conversation that I don't think is like, it has to be a little bit more fluid. If I'm having a conversation with a student and it's about a particular strategy, I love that all of you keep going back to, we're listening first. That's so important. And, and that's a first step for a lot of teachers who think their role is to speak so much and, and download their knowledge right. because that's their role. And so I think everybody here has already said, we're listening. And that's like an important first step. So it's so conversational. And, you know, to be honest, I don't remember exactly what the question was. I wrote down explicitly teaching math strategies. Um, there are explicit moves that we make. Um, but teaching the math strategies is so much more for me about I'm going to have carefully planned problems. I'm going to have carefully planned tasks that expose you, that I wonder with, that I'm, I'm, I'm asking the right question at the right time. Just like Pam said, you know, we know the terrain, we know where we're going, we have a very purposeful goal. And so it's this kind of bob and weave based on what you've said that I'm just, I continue to get underneath what you've talked about so that we can just kind of gently move you forward. I want to maybe mention one other thing that Kim and I've been talking about recently, maybe not as much publicly yet, um, is that we've gotten uh, uh, some clarity around the fact that it is less about kids coming out of our experiences with strategies. And it's more that we help them develop specific high um, power mathematical relationships that may, that allow certain strategies to become natural outcomes. Let me see if I can say that a little more clearly. Instead of saying, I need all of my grade four, my fourth grade kids to be able to use the over strategy for multiplication. I say to myself, I need students to recognize the place value patterns in multiplying by 39. I need them to recognize that multiplying by 40 is, is pert near there. Like we're, that's so close. And if we, if we can think about times 40 and we can reason about multiplication, then the over strategy becomes a natural outcome. It becomes a, a thing kids are inclined to do. That's how the numbers speak to kids because we've, we've created the relationship. So we've become more clear in our language just recently that it's not about um, the, the five strategies for multiplication. It's about the major relationships that then make those five strategies uh, intuitively possible. It's like, it's like we're helping kids build intuition. Kim, mm -hmm. Kim, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say it, 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 it's, and those strategies are centered around the major properties of multiplication, the distributive property, the associative property. Like they, they are strategies that fall within the big ideas that we want kids to own about multiplication. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it, we don't, somebody asked us the other day, so you don't, you don't teach uh, properties of, of operations. I was like, oh my gosh, like that's, we're developing yeah. properties of operations in a huge way. We're just developing them before we necessarily tag them. Right. right. We develop the sense of how students are using them. And then we put words, oh yeah, that thing you're doing when you keep breaking up that multiplication problem into those chunks of area. Yeah. Bam. That's using the distributive property. We call that the distributive property. Um, similarly, if I was like doubling and having at some point, we want to say, Oh yeah. How that factors kind of like switching between those two numbers, like you sort of pull the two out of that one and, and, and it tacks onto the other one. 
that that's the associate property at work. Like we're absolutely about developing the big ideas, models, and strategies that allow the connections that allow strategies to become natural outcomes. And those connections are hugely important when we can call them out for students um, as they get older. I, you know, I'm thinking of an example where my son, who is in sixth grade, was just recently talking with me about a, a problem like three times n minus two. And he was talking to me about some of the things that he his teacher was saying. And I said, oh, that you, you've worked with this kind of thing before. It's kind of like when you would have said eight times 15 and you said eight times 10 and eight times five. He was like, oh, it, that it's the <laughs> same big property. He was like, oh, I got that. I got yes, that. Yes, you do. <laughs> well, because you could connect it to something that, that right. not only had he done before, but he owns. Yes. He owns yes. it so deeply that then as soon as you could connect that new notation, this bigger idea of letting variables vary, but but it connects back to that that experience that he has. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. well, yeah. that, okay, all right. Bam, we can use well, that. And, use that and it, it speaks to kind of what, what you and I, Pam, love to say and probably say way too much, but know your content, know your kids, uh, right? Like we've been talking about the content part of it, but so much of this whole story is about the portion where we know our kids as well. So much so. Yeah, you say that because you know your son and you know mm -hmm. the experiences that he's had. And so you're able to say, oh, look, I can, I can hang this on some experience that right. you've had. We can build on that. And you might not be able to do that so well at the beginning of a school year, sure. but that's one of the reasons why we want to invite you to listen. The more you yeah. listen to your students, the more you know them, and then the more you can hang what you're doing on their past uh, past experiences. Absolutely. I have that's written. Funny. I, I, go no, ahead. I just want to. I want to. I want to just add that's so funny because I even. I even today I was just like, oh, it's just like when when so and so said this, you know, thirty minutes yeah. ago, and yeah. he was like, I did. <laughs> I'm like, yes, you did. You don't remember? <laughs> and he's like, no. I said, well, I remember. Maybe so we as, should say know yourself first. Right? <laughs> like, know what you said in your in your day. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah, That's awesome. That is awesome. Uh, can I? I have one more uh, bit to sort of add on to that. <clears throat> so we do suggest that um, students and teachers describe strategies. Um, we do give them a name so that we can talk about them. But we actually would suggest that that process might be the reverse uh, that some people might be thinking about. I, in other words, <clears throat> if, if we were in kind of the explicit model that we're mm -hmm. saying maybe don't do, that explicit model that, that most of us uh, experiences as, as students was the teacher said, today, we're going to learn area. We're going to learn yes. perimeter. And mm -hmm. we, we gave it an, a, a word, a name, and then we told you what the word and the name mean. And then we put the steps underneath it. And then you're, you know, good. Now go solve one through 29 odd. That might be a high school joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what we're suggesting is that we give kids problems and we very purposefully guide the conversation so that we're celebrating certain relationships so that kids have a chance to point to and compare those major relationships. So the strategy becomes sort of a natural inclination for them to use. We build intuition towards that strategy. And, and as that happens along the way, we say, wait, tell me about that. We pull out their thinking and we elicit their thinking. Tell me, tell me more about that. Ooh, 
the way you just said that's tough, right? Putting your putting words to what you, I know, I know. So give me, give me what, did anybody understand what Kim just did? Who can, who can restate? God, it was complicated. Like what was Kim just saying? Yeah. Like you, you're not sure. Ask, go ahead and ask Kim. Like, like we create conversation, not because I'm trying to catch kids not listening, but because I recognize the value in putting words to complicated ideas. And, and then that helps. And then we, as the teacher, like we said earlier, then we make that visible, but that process of pulling out words, we become more, the, the, the speaker becomes more clear. We gain clarity over it as the speaker speaks, as the, the students restate each other's ideas, they get clarity on the idea. They own it more and more. And the more clarity we get, the more we kind of describe that strategy, how we're using those relationships to solve the problem. And then we eventually might give it a, a descriptive name mm-hmm. so that we can refer to it. Not, so see how, how, how reverse that was. Like we build it, we develop the relationships, we gain the intuition, and then we tag it. Then we come in with, all right, so now we've kind of got this clarity and, oh, you guys, you guys are all talking about how we, you, you used something that was a little bit too big went a little over and then you subtracted off the extra. Wow. What do you guys, I don't know. We could call this the over strategy. And it's almost like they came up with it ish because you're helping pull those words. It's the, it, that process is a refinement process, not just of what we're going to call it, but of literally the way you're thinking, the way you're making sense of the relationships. So in that way, we're also explicit. Because there is an explicit strategy we're going for. It's, it's a funny word. There's a specific strategy we're going for. There's a we're being purposeful as we go there. So I, the reason I just used explicit, not the way we were talking about, is is it's not a free for all. It's not muddy. It's not fuzzy. It's not this vast, uncountable, undistinct. There are a few major relationships that lead to a few major strategies, and 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 those are and they're highly connected, and that's where we can be purposeful. There's one thing that you were saying, Pam, that made me think of how important context is, right? So for kids who don't have those experiences, who don't remember, um, starting with what, like a word problem. And I feel like that's opposite of what Mm -hmm. our textbooks are designed, how they're designed, right? Everything, it's always the naked problems first Mm -hmm. and then the word problems at the back. Um, or the last day of the unit, oh, let's have some real world problems, right? Mm-hmm. And let's let's explore. So I feel like that's really um, taking away their experiences because they're they don't they can't see it. They don't have a story through it. Mm-hmm. When we did division of fractions, one problem that I love is is I call it like the lasagna problem where um, we have half a lasagna. We've already eaten. We've made a whole lasagna. We, we ate half of it and now I have four members in my family and we're going to go and we're going to eat this lasagna. So how, how big are our slices, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's well, really, it's one, whole half, yeah. Yeah, one half divided by four and having that um, context helps them later on when they do see, oh, okay. That's like, that's when I see one third divided by five, that's like the lasagna problem, right? I have one third of a lasagna and I'm dividing it between five people. And so now how large are the portions of the whole, of the whole? I'm stealing that from you, Karina. I'm stealing that, the lasagna problem. Okay. (laughs) The lasagna problem. (laughs) It's so funny that you mentioned that, Karina, because just today, 
Pam and I were talking about this really exciting project that we're working on. And um, we said we need to be in context as much as possible. It's so important. The context matters so much. And I, I really feel like we could do more to, to normalize that portion of math where it's not just the last two problems in a textbook. And now where it's like the gotcha, like you could yeah. do it all with naked problems, but the last two, like, have you been paying attention? These are the hard ones. Let's, let's give kids the context for so many things so that they can put themselves in the problem so that they can make sense of it and, and decide like, what operation is this? What am I doing with the numbers? Like what, how, how do I want to approach this problem? Could I, could I represent it in some way? You mean you just don't pluck out the numbers and add no matter oh, what? Oh, goodness. I mean, wow. it's, yeah. I'd, I'd like to go back to something Kim said um, uh, a, a bit ago, uh, but I want to put a little more emphasis on it. I think another place that we are explicit, and, and Kim, I don't exactly remember how you said it, but I think you said sort of like what's happening. Yeah. Um, and I would talk about the fact that uh, a problem string, our, our favorite instructional routine, is a routine Right. What, is, what does that mean to become a routine Well, or to be a routine? It means that we want to make uh, the doing it routine so that when we say, hey, y'all, we're going to do a quick problem string, kids go, oh, I know what that means. Right. Uh, all right. In a problem string, I know what my role is. I know mm. what's expected of me. I, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to be surprised. I'm not going to be, um, embarrassed. Like I, I, right now my role is to, is to really think like it's, it, I'm going to use what I know to solve problems. Um, and, and then, and then somebody's going to share. And my job is to then understand what they were doing. Like, like if we can get the, the, uh, we must, we must be very purposeful about what's expected of kids that it's not. Um, I, I think sometimes people say, wait, you don't want to, you don't want to teach explicitly. That's then kids are never going to know what they're supposed to be doing. Pam, don't you know, kids with special needs, they, they need to know, they need to have exactly, you know, they, they need to feel safe and, 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 um, have exactly what they're supposed to be doing. They, they need to, they need to understand. And I'm like, Oh, good heavens. Everyone needs that. Not just kids with special needs. Like every kid needs to know the expectations, where they, what, what their role is, what they're supposed, you know, like, like pick your, you could probably help me with some more like classroom kinds of things. But in this, this, in this time, this situation, we want every kid to have, um, help me, Kim, put some better words in my mouth. <laughs> like I was success. thinking about what I wanted to talk about next. <laughs> well, success. Yes. We, 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 in other words, in other words, I think sometimes people hear, what do you mean? Don't teach explicitly as no as we will have chaos and kids will not know what their role is. They won't know what to do when kids are supposed to guess not only what's in my head about the math, but what's yeah. in my head about, about what they're supposed to be doing right now and how they're supposed to be doing it. Right. And, um, and, and we are not suggesting that in any way. So a place that we are very explicit is what is your role here? What's your, what's the expectation? Um, it's just, it's just that the role and expectation isn't mimicry. It right. isn't sit quietly, shut up, just, can I say that on a podcast? Yes, you can. Yes. <laughs> just do what I told you to do. Just be a, a, a compliant, that, that we're not saying that. It's not about compliance. It's about, mm -hmm. it's about security where kids go, I am clear what I'm supposed to be doing here. Oh, it's thinking. 
My job yeah. right now is to think, to use what I know to solve the problem. And my teacher is going to help me make sense of what I was doing and make sense of my classmates. And, and sh- we are so cool because we think, wow, this is so cool. It's so interesting to really understand this stuff. That's our goal. And we want yeah. kids to, to, to very clearly know that. I'm really glad that you took us back here because one of the things that I had written on my little notepad was um, objective. And I think that uh, sometimes we get into this idea where we want to be very clear about what we're doing. And that turned into you have to write an objective on the board for every single subject, for every single, you know, and so you walk into a classroom or you're in a classroom and, and you see a series of objectives and, and people will say, don't I have to tell them up front today the objective is the over strategy because I'm going to do a problem string about the over strategy. And I think you and I have talked to him about this uh, on a podcast about you can, you know, cross off the expectation if that's one for you in your school about, about sharing the objective, but the objective can be like you just said, we're thinking we're, we're, we're analyzing problems where, you know, it goes back to the, the process standards or the, you know, the, Practice standards. Practice standards. Yeah. Thank you. Like where you are. We're where, in Texas. We're, Texas. Um, where, where we're talking about exploring the distributive property or something broader that focuses the kids on what we're doing today without, I almost said stealing, without stealing the thinking behind what we're doing with the numbers. Um, it's just one of the pushbacks I think that we've gotten also about, well, I, I think it's really important that we tell kids what we're about to do. What we're about to do is think. We're about to explore relationships between numbers. We're about to look for patterns, but we don't have to tell them. Today, we're talking about the over strategy. To today, the pattern you're going to find. What? Yeah, yeah, like that. It, it, yeah, and when you were saying spoil, I, I wanted to say spoil the fun, spoil the. You said learning, which I t- think is totally right. Spoil the, um, not just the aha, because if I say spoil the, the aha or spoil the punchline, I think. I, I do mean that, but I think people could inadvertently hear spoil the, 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 the rule, the procedure. Oh, they're supposed to guess the procedure, the rule. No, 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 no. It's not about that. It's about patterns. And so yeah. if we're having kids really find patterns based on relationships that they are now owning because they're right. messing with it, it's just a whole different paradigm right. than, than, than the outcome was mimic, just do what I said, be compliant. Oh, instead I want to set you loose. I want to have this, this mm-hmm. controlled freedom where I've got the freedom to think. Mm-hmm. Use what I know. Look for, like, try to be the one with the cool, clever, slick strategy. Oh, that becomes my my goal. Uh, and it's, so, it's such a more intriguing place to be for the teachers and the students when we're mm-hmm. honestly interested in what they're thinking and how they're thinking. And then and then knowing that we are building their brains to think more and more sophisticatedly. It's so much fun. So Kim, it's a word that, that Kyle and John say all the time. It's you, it's like spoiling the tinkering. You don't want to, mm-hmm. you want them to tinker with math, right? You want them to try different things and see it different ways. And one thing that I, I do love about problem strings is that it does encourage those, the, that whole idea of let the numbers tell you what to do. Yeah. You know, it really puts it out there of here are some numbers. Let's not just let's be strategic when we use right. a strategy because the numbers are friendlier in one or more efficient in one strategy than in another. Yeah. Right. And and I that's what I've that's what I really like about problems and strings. I've 
done number talks for a while, but um, I feel like when when I did them, the connections weren't as visible, you know, mm-hmm. so problem strings make it more visible. Yeah. So speak, well, I can, speaking I can... of problem strings, um, yeah. a little birdie told me a while ago. <laughs> I know where you're going. That <laughs> maybe a book was going to be on the horizon for elementary problem strings. Do you, do you know any information about that? Ladies, <clears throat> let me tell you. So, so, um, I'm, I'm in our, in, uh, I'm, I'm a vision, I'm a visionary. I'm speechless is what I am. I'm a visionary and I create these, uh, visions. And then I ask my very small and mighty team to carry them out. And I often don't actually know the scope of what I'm asking for. Um, truth. So, so much truth. So let's be clear. This is going to be phenomenal. So announcing to the world, we yeah. are writing grade level problem string books. So yes. there will be a kindergarten problem string book, a third grade problem string book. So kindergarten through through fifth grade, we are writing grade level problem string books. They will be unparalleled. Nothing else like them out there. They'll have um, the development of mathematical reasoning enough that you kind of get a feel for why you're using which strings when. Um, they will have discussions about um, what the board looks like, what the teacher, how the teacher's making that thinking visible, which model to use. Um, un- unbelievable resource. Um, <laughs> and it's taking us a hot minute to produce it. So um, the, the plan, the plan is, is uh, beginning of 2024. We should have um, hot off the press um, some things. Yeah. So we are just, we are, are, our noses are the are to the grindstone. Um, we've brought on some more resources to make my grand vision actually happen. Uh, we have we're having an amazing. In fact, Kim alluded earlier that we are having a conversation about making sure things were in context, and that was we were actually working on the problem street book project. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so yeah, it, it's you know the two of us are knee deep in it. We have some um, colleagues that are helping us do some writing and editing, and um, I, I have a. I, I, another little bird told me that you two might be willing to do some reviewing for us. Uh, yeah, uh, heck yes. Yeah. I was just going to say, I was just going to say there's a fifth grade classroom that you can use and, Damn. and I can practice and whatever demo, whatever you want me to demo. I got I will, K-5. In. All K-5. Yeah, all of them. Do it. Yeah, you do, y'all. We just, I we just to... need to get ourselves in a position where we can um uh, do. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, so give You're us a so hot good. minute. We're, we're almost organized um yeah it, you know it was one of those things where where when i'm in charge it's total chaos so we now have someone actually in charge that's not my brain um and that's a <laughs> that's a that's a brilliant thing and uh yeah it's gonna be super uh we are we are thrilled 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 um if you don't mind me mentioning we also have a new um asynchronous workshop launching in may called building powerful subtraction Ooh. and some people have asked me, why did you wait so long? Why did you do building powerful multiplication and building powerful division before you did building powerful subtraction? That doesn't, that doesn't make sense. And I'll be really frank with you. I knew that people wouldn't buy it until they started to think and reason more about multiplication and division, because as we really reason through multiplication and division problems, it's the subtraction. If you're not thinking through subtraction, bam, that could be the place that like really holds you up. Yes. So uh, strategically, I said, I got to convince some people that subtraction is important. And now I've got to body people that are definitely like, yes, we need some more work on subtraction. Pretty please. So that's launching in May. We're super excited about it. 
Uh, but if I could also mention one other thing, see, this is why we can't get anything done because we're doing all the things. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, one, one other uh, small, minor, major, huge thing is we're launching um, a, a new mini workshop and that's coming out at the end of March. So Ooh. I'm not actually sure when this podcast is dropping. Um, Sunday, um, this Sunday. Well, bam. So, okay. so in, timely. in a couple of weeks after you hear this podcast, head on over to mathisfigurable.com and you will see a brand new mini workshop, Transforming Teaching Small Shifts, Big Impacts, which will be a companion, full color, full video version to go along with our major strategies ebook. Which is, I, I, you have no idea. I wrote big three times on my paper <laughs> over here because I wanted you to mention that one. For sure. Absolutely. So y'all, if if you leave this podcast and you're like, I would like to know more, you can go to mathisfigureoutable.com slash big, mathisfigureoutable.com slash big, and you can download for free our major strategies ebook where we get right at what are the major strategies for each of the operations. We also back up and do some early counting and building from counting to additive with single digit addition and subtraction and single digit multiplication. It's an amazing resource. You might be like, why would you ever give that away for free? Because I want to change the way we view and teach mathematics. And I believe that we can, we can literally change the world for the better. If we all can shift our paradigms from what at no one's fault, the paradigm we were given as we were students, if we can shift it to, whoa, we can actually all think and reason like mathematicians. Math actually is Figure outable. Yes. Here, here. Mic drop. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Oh, ladies, thank you so much for your time and expertise and knowledge. We we just we cannot thank you enough for actually we listeners, we've tried to get this happening for <laughs> a while and it finally oh, wow. the stars have aligned, right? Yes. So thanks so much for being here. We are so uh, so glad to be here, and thanks for having us on. We look forward to so much. future work together. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. We invite you to join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag LearningThroughMath. We'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to tag us at Laura and Karina. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. To you, too.